Here's an easy way for you to help us cast ChristNet on the internet. Subscribe, rate, and review the Issues Etc. podcast with your podcast provider. Type Issues Etc. in your podcast provider, hit the subscription button, and leave us a five-star review. This will make it easier for other podcast listeners to find Issues Etc. Help us reach more listeners in 2024. Subscribe, rate, and review Issues Etc. today. Well, if your congregation wasn't doing it before the COVID pandemic, certainly most likely is doing it now. Maybe you curtailed your live streaming of the Sunday service, or maybe you kept it going. You say, well, it's a good outreach, or people can't come to church so that they can still live stream the worship. Should we be calling it live streamed worship or online worship? Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Joining us to discuss countering technological liturgies, Josh Pauling. He's a classical educator, a vicar at All Saints Lutheran Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, a columnist for Modern Reformation and Salvo, and author of a column for the latest Logia Journal titled Livestreaming Ourselves to Death, Countering Technological Liturgies with Liturgies of Life. Josh, welcome back. Hey, Todd. Good to talk with you. Why do we need to think deeper about the use of digital technology by the church? Well, I would say that we need to do that because technology is never neutral, and it never really has been. Frequently when I talk about this topic or get responses from what I've written about it, people will will argue that, well, technology is neutral. It's just a matter of how you use it. But we need to think deeper than that. And I mean, we even realize this with simple technologies, right? There's the famous saying, if you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail, Right. And if, if we understand that with even simple things like one-trick ponies like a hammer, then we should think even more seriously when we're talking about digital technologies that can do many more things than hammer. <laughs> Talk about the immersive quality of digital technology. So if I continue there from my hammer analogy, a hammer can do one thing, basically. Digital technologies can do many things. They're really an omni-tool, an omnipresent omni-tool. We frequently have them on our persons, and we can ask them any question, and they can find us an answer. Not only that, we can use them as a lens to, to view the world through. They are extremely immersive. Uh, I would even call them a reality-mediating mechanism. They become the lenses through which we view the world. Again, it's, that's not a neutral thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but we do need to realize that it's not neutral, that it's forming us and shaping us in more ways than we realize. How do digital technologies take on what you say is a liturgical and religious function in our lives? Yeah, they, they take on that liturgical and religious function because we use them so much. Uh, we use them at work. We use that, uh, them at home. We use them for entertainment. And it's so repetitive. It's so habitual. And it's formative in that way. And so if we even think about simple things like trying to find out the weather, 
That used to be a very embodied experience. You'd look out the window, maybe you'd even put your hand out the door or step outside. Now that process is mediated to us through a device. We simply go to the weather app and look at what the temperature is going to be for today. Uh, and not only that, we can look at what it's going to be for tomorrow and the next day and the next day. We can look at the 10-day forecast. We can look at the month outlook. We can look at the weather all over the world. And that experience is extremely different than what would have happened just not even, you know, in my own lifetime when I would need to find out the weather. Now, that's just one little example, but we could do that on every issue, right? Whether it's weather or directions or even looking up a Bible verse, even the way we experience events with other people. Frequently, we're taking pictures rather than enjoying the event itself. So all those things are forming and shaping us. And I would argue they're forming and shaping us in very unhealthy ways. And I would even maybe suggest anti-Christian ways. How does all of this create an anti-body bias in us? Well, that's because all of these things are, are so disembodied in their very nature. Living through a screen automatically is putting up a barrier between you and another person in all of your senses. Uh, you can experience some things through a screen, but by, by definition, it's not the full embodied experience. So I would say that's part of it for sure. This antibody bias, this what Charles Taylor calls an excarnational approach to life where, where we're starting to really separate our mind from our bodies and digital technologies just enhance that and they speed that up. They accelerate that experience of excarnation. What do digital technologies, what do they do to our concept of worship? I think they really distort it. And they distort it in this anti-body way um, towards a sense of disembodiment. And they also distort it in a growing sense of autonomy for us as people. For example, if we worship through a technologically mediated experience, whether it's on a phone or through a screen, we are in control, right? In that experience, uh, we can change the volume. We can hit pause. We can adjust the playback speed. We can adjust the brightness of the screen. We can go to full screen or we can do a pop out and have something else in the background, right? I'm completely in the driver's seat of that experience. And that sense of autonomy, really, again, we just sort of absorb that more and more. And it's very unhealthy for us. We are not gods. We are creatures, right? With limits. And that growing sense of autonomy is, is not what we're designed for. I would say as well, these digital technologies distort worship by making us think of ourselves as either a brain on a stick or a heart on a stick. A brain on a stick because behind a screen, we're mainly just information consumers or producers. We're either typing and sending messages, we're posting, or we're consuming information. But a human being is more than a brain on a stick. Similarly, uh, we're more than a heart on a stick. But behind a screen, it's, it's also easy to just emote, right? To consume things based on our passions, anger, desire, whatever it might be. So both of those are really dividing the human person in an unhealthy way that in large part rejects the central role of the body in what it means to be human. How do we recapture a right understanding of embodiment in worship? 
Well, this is what's so beautiful, Todd, about word and sacrament, right? God has not only ordained the message, but the means of delivery for that message through the preaching of the word and the right administration of the sacraments. And so I think there we really find our roadmap. This is not a new thing we have to create here. We've been given the instructions. And uh, that's what's so beautiful. I think it's really fascinating to think about the fact that God could have chosen to send his son into the world at any time right? In a time of high technology like ours, or in the time of cavemen. But instead, he chose that specific era that we call the Pax Romana, right? Where there were roads, where he could travel, where the apostles could travel, where things were largely done in in in-person gatherings or through written records. And that's just a fascinating thing to really contemplate, the fact that God chose to send his son at a time when he would have to walk around and be with other people in real space and time. How do you respond to someone who says that online worship reaches those who are unable to attend on Sunday morning? Sure. This is certainly a challenging one, and there's going to be different opinions here. And I'm not saying there's no role for such things. Certainly for those who are homebound or those who need extraordinary care, there's a place for such things. But I think that that's really where pastoral care comes in. Those need need to be considered carefully. So I'm not denying any role for those unable to attend for digital or online resources being used. I'm just saying that in general, we should not see them as a normalized thing or something that should be done on a widespread basis. Is online worship a good outreach strategy? Yeah, I've gotten this one a few times too. The argument goes sort of like this, that um, online worship can help reach internet church shoppers, those who might not want to show up in person. And that may be true, but I think it also cuts both ways. It may keep people from ever taking the step to really commit and participate in the life of the church in a local community. And I think also this argument assumes that providing online worship is the only way to provide an effective digital presence. And I might suggest that actually we might be able to provide more compelling online resources by maybe producing some well, well-produced uh, short videos describing the church, maybe its conduct of the service, maybe some engaging resources on cultural and theological topics, maybe some sample services uh, with some commentary explaining what is happening. And maybe those things would be better than the weekly grainy live stream of the whole service, where frequently the audio quality is poor, there's a bouncing camera, and we get the glimpses of the back of people's heads and so forth. So I, I suggest that at least for, for, for thought. Some say that the 16th century reformer Martin Luther fully utilized the printing press so that we should fully utilize the internet. How would you respond to that one? I think this argument fails to make a proper distinction between Christian education and edification and Christian worship in the divine service. I would say there's a distinction there that must be upheld, right? Luther certainly used the printing press, but he didn't try to recreate the divine service for people to do in an environment separate from the church itself. So I think that's really a a distinction that needs to be made when that argument is made. Yes, we can use the internet, but I'm suggesting that it might not be the best use of the internet to try to just stream the whole service or recreate the whole service. Again, God has ordained the message and means of delivery in local churches through word and sacraments. I think here as well, this frequently is sort of an ends justify the means approach. And that's a dangerous way to do our our theological thinking, right? We don't want to just consider pragmatic things. We want to consider fidelity to the word 
and to right practice as well. If we're just going to use an end justifies the mean in our argument, then we could justify all sorts of bad forms of evangelism over the history of the church that might have led to conversion, but might not have been faithful. Consider Charles Finney's New Measures or consider the very violent evangelism of the Jesuits in the New World. Both of those may have led to some conversions, but we wouldn't replicate those practices because they were not faithful theologically. So, You say that we should drop the terms online worship and streaming worship. Why should we be done with those? I think it's just misleading. I think it gives people the idea that what happens in church can be fully duplicated online. And so I think we should go away from those terms to avoid that misconception. Yes, you can get some things online from preaching and prayer and worship, hymns and so forth, but to recreate Gottesdienst in its fullness, right? The delivery of word and sacrament in the same way you would in person, I think it's just a misleading thing to call it that. You suggest that we don't record or stream the entire service. What's your thinking there? I think, again, it it sends a mixed message that watching online is a direct one-to-one replacement for in-person church. I think especially this gets confusing in relation to communion, Uh, communicates a disembodied message about an embodied reality. I think it also opens the door to misuse with things like online communion. Uh, So I, I would think that churches should consider maybe just recording the sermon songs and prayers or some portion of the service that is more fitting for Christian education and edification but does not confuse Godestines in its truest sense with such things. I think also churches might consider adding a short clarifying introduction to their videos and recordings to help frame things properly. You know, in 30 seconds to a minute, you could provide a, a brief description of what worship is, that Christ descends to his people and is truly present with them and for them in the church through tangible and real means of word and sacrament. And that communion with God involves our whole selves, including our bodies, in participation with one another in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you could include that description of worship and then also mention that this cannot be fully recreated online through any technological medium and that we hope to see you soon in person. Right? I think there'd be a way to do that in less than a minute in a way that allows the use of these things for Christian edification, uh, but doesn't confuse them with Godestinst. What are your thoughts about screens in worship? I think they really should be avoided. I think that when we step into the sanctuary, we're stepping into another world. And we have screens and PowerPoints and notification dings everywhere else. We need to keep the sanctuary pristine, in my opinion. And again, use the forms of mediation God has chosen. We don't need to add additional technological layers of mediation into the divine service. God has chosen the mediation. It's word and sacrament. And so I think our worship should retain that pristine physicality that allows it to be comprehensible in the first century and the 21st century, as low-tech and embodies as possible. How are Lutherans uniquely positioned theologically to respond to the distortions that have been introduced by digital technology? Yeah, I think here our rich understanding of Christology of the body and the centrality of word and sacrament in worship, that God comes to us in worship. I think all those things are just perfectly ready for this moment where everything is moving in a digital direction. We can really double down on those embodied local communities of believers as our strength. 
And people are starving for real community and relationship. And as tech continues to develop, I think we're maybe even entering a time where it's possible that face-to-face conversation or in-person interaction may be really the only guarantee of something's truthfulness. With the growing role of artificial intelligence and deep fakes, it's possible that oral interpersonal communication may come to be seen as the only truly authoritative form of communication since we know it isn't fake because we were directly there. And I would suggest in an environment like that, what institution is primed and practiced at in-person gatherings, doing life together and presenting information in this in-person format? The church, right? The church is perfectly situated as an embodied communion, gathered to hear oral proclamation, to receive Christ's body in the Eucharist, and to share in life together in the body of the church. So I think here, the church knows how to do this and is a place where people can really find a picture of what it means to be fully human again in the digital age. Josh Pauling is a classical educator, vicar at All Saints Lutheran Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, a columnist for Modern Reformation in Salvo, and author of a column for the latest Logia Journal titled Live Streaming Ourselves to Death, Countering Technological Liturgies with the Liturgies of Life. Logia, a journal of Lutheran theology, is published by Luther Academy. Learn more at lutheracademy.com, lutheracademy.com. Josh, thank you. Thank you, Tom. Tuesday on Issues Etc., we'll look forward to Sunday morning, according to the three-year lectionary, talking with Pastor Sean Denzer about the transfiguration in Mark chapter 9. And we'll have Pastor Tom Baker lead us in a Sunday school lesson on the minor prophets Haggai and Malachi. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for listening. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc., is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. Metro East Lutheran High School in Edwardsville, Illinois, invites you to an open house from 1 to 3 on Sunday afternoon, February 4th. Take a tour, visit with faculty and administration, and find out more about financial assistance and scholarships. For more information, visit the Facebook page for Metro East Lutheran High School or call 618-656-0043. Open house at Metro East Lutheran High School, Edwardsville, Illinois, Sunday afternoon, February 4th. Trinity Orchard Farm is settled between two rivers showing the way to the water of life. For worship that is reverent, relevant, and refreshing like pure water, or for excellent education in a unique setting, check out our church and school. We're just five miles north of Highway 370 on Highway 94 in St. Charles County. Visit us on the web at trinityorchardfarm.com. That's trinityorchardfarm.com. Our phone number is 636-250-3350. College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois, offers ACT, SAT, and PSAT test prep, scholarship application classes, college and career counseling, and more. Hi, this is Lori Konsky, president of College Preparation Station. We have helped our students obtain more than $7 million in tuition scholarships in 12 years. 
Find out more at cpsprep.com. Let us help you create a vision and find your future. The College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois, cpsprep.com.